I want to come back to the 10 questions and see if we can uh, uh, answer how we began with the, with the difficult questions you know, about our lives today. Uh, so let me pull up the questions and uh, I want you to help us, especially with the first one. Uh, isn't our stand on homosexuality similar to the way people used to look at slavery, racism, and women's roles in the church? The question is framing us to be a bigot if we hold on to God's word. Right. But, but we're not bigots. We're just obedient to the king, to the creator of the universe. So answer this for me, if you sure. would. A lot of people say that, um, you know, racism was a civil rights issue. Okay. And just as racism has been a civil rights issue all along, but was highlighted in the 60s and has been highlighted recently with George Floyd and all that, as racism is a civil rights issue, so is homosexual rights and transgender rights. How, how do you answer that? I answered it a couple of ways, Bobby, but one of the, the, the simple ways that I answer that is, as far as rights are concerned, we're not talking about rights. We're talking about what is right. Uh, people have a right, and, and usually, sometimes we use that word right and freedom kind of interchangeably, like, you know, I have a right to do this. We're basically saying you have the freedom to do it. We have the freedom to do just about anything. However, that doesn't make the things that we do right. So as it relates to racism, um, this is a judgment that people were making based on their prejudice and their own uh, idolatry, okay, their own uh, I am better than you or you are better than me based off of our skin color. Um, you know, that, that's, that's a different discussion from one who is struggling with their, their same-sex attractions and they're deciding in so many instances, I'm giving in to this. I'm rejecting the truth of God's word. I'm rejecting uh, how God made us to be. Um, not those are two different things. But what the uh, LGBTQ community has done through clever arguing is they have equated the two to where now, and, and this is, I need to say this, Bobby, uh, as someone who's got a little bit more melanin in my skin than you, I, I need to say this. What's, what's becoming dangerous is because they have framed it as a civil rights issue, right? If a person wants to stand against actual civil rights, right? I now have to stand with LGBTQ, correct? And those are two different things. And what it does for so many, they are falling into that line of thinking. So yeah. now it is, hey, I stand for civil rights. So if I stood up against racism, then I also have to stand up for homosexuality and right. LGBT. It's like, right. no, those are two different things to say I stand up for, you know, women's rights. And for so long in our in our country's history, uh, women did not have rights, but they've lumped it all together. So now if you want to fight for 
what is actually a civil right, I now have to lump in LGBTQ+. So it's not the same thing. Right. Yeah. Okay. The second question is, by the way, thank you for that. I felt like you could address that some ways better than me because of what you've lived through. And yeah. um, uh, why would homosexual marriage be wrong? Isn't it better if people are committed to each other? What would you say to that now, given what we've said? Oh man, it's, it's, it's another one, Bobby. Um, It's wrong, not on the basis of commitment. Um, And and I'll, I'll use this, it's kind of a stretch to the analogy, but you'll know where I'm going with this. People who struggle with addictions are really committed to their addictions. They're really engaged in them, but that's not right. So in, in saying, well, hey, these two men are committed to one another, what's wrong with that? Yeah. Um, no, that is wrong because it's, again, against God's design. Um, I would say again, by God's design, man and woman, as, he, as Paul would say, it's like Christ in the church. Yeah. You know, the other thing about it um, that I would add in, because I've had an experience recently that made it really poignant in my mind, is that the institutionalization of sin, which is what homosexual marriage is, when the government mm-hmm. and institutions get behind it and provide for the institutionalization of sin, it becomes much harder to give it up. So I'll give you an example. A couple of years ago, we had a few women start coming uh, to church with, with us and they were married and, and uh, we you know, built a good relationship with them. They were in our small group uh, that my wife and I were leading and we just loved them. Uh, you know, we, uh, we would do stuff together, our, our small groups. You, know, you have picnics together and you have meals together and uh, we did Halloween stuff together and all that. And we just tried to love them and be with them uh, like I would with anybody. Uh, but uh, one of the women uh, wanted to talk about committing her life to Jesus, and which is exciting. And so we just sat down and had an honest conversation about it. Because the decision to trust and follow Jesus means you're repenting of your sin and you're committing your life to Jesus. So we had the conversation about, well, if you're really going to follow Jesus, what does that mean? And so, first of all, they're married. So they have bank account issues, financial issues, really significant things there. They also had a child together uh, that they were co-parenting the child. And so, uh, you know, there's the issues related to all that. So here's what what, what I did and what we did. We sat down and we just said, you know, there's a lot of complexity here, but we will help you. Amen. That I will, the church will, we will help you uh, to, you know, disentangle all of that so that you can follow Jesus. And, uh, you know, it's more the intent uh, to give up that lifestyle uh, than having everything figured out. But if you have that intent, we're going to help you and, and we'll help you make that commitment. And uh, they didn't, they, they, you know, they didn't want to do that. Now, part of it, I think, was because, I mean, they're legally married. They're financially 
bound up together. They have a child together, and, and it just made it much harder mm. to follow the ways of Jesus. So I am not an advocate. Uh, obviously, two people sticking with each other is better than random sex acts and all of that. But better than both of those is trying to follow Jesus right. in, a, in a community called the church. So it's, right. it's, it's, it's not um, homosexual marriage or committed homosexually. It's choosing Jesus' way. Choosing celibacy, which I want to get to. How can we know that traditional Christians got this issue right? This is kind of similar to the first question. Lots of Christian people are now saying there's nothing wrong with homosexual relations. How do we, you know, how do you answer that? Yeah, it's, it's culture has shifted several times um, and it shifts several times back and forth from God, but God is, is consistent. So when you say, you know, how do traditional Christians look at this? Traditional Christians and those first century Christians, they're holding to what God told them about marriage. But now there are a lot of cultural Christians yeah. who have waffled on this and who have just kind of gotten so far out. But I, you know, I, I got to go back to what God said and, and let's stick with that uh, regardless of the direction, the way the wind blows. No, that's good. Again, it just goes back and we can just, we want to reiterate this as much as we can. It's about following the Lordship and the Kingship of Jesus through what scripture teaches. Um, the next question, we talked about that. What does the Bible really say about homosexuality? I think we kind of dove into that. Uh, is homosexuality genetic? Yeah, I'm going to let you uh, talk about that for a second. Per my understanding biblically, um, genetic, I don't find scripture for genetic. Um, in terms of everyone having some kind of struggle, uh, attraction, proclivity, tendency, yes, we all have those. Right. But to say ingrained in my DNA, I don't find any scripture for that. You know, there's, uh, I, I agree with you. Uh, there, there's people who say that if it's 100% genetic, then they should be able to live it out and experience it as they want. Again, because in our culture, sexual expression is the highest goal. Right. Where for a Christian, uh, the highest goal is to honor God and serve God and obey him as we wait for Jesus to return. Sure. So we've got a conflict there. But um, scripture just does not address where it comes from. It just says, don't act out on it, that the behavior is wrong. Now, uh, I think it's a complex issue. Uh, there could be a genetic factor. I believe there probably is. The thing that's spooking me out a little bit is the high increase in the number of people who now claim to be same-sex attracted. So I'll give you an example. Like I, I, I pointed out those Gallup uh, uh, stats on those who identify how, how much it's increased up to almost a, a quarter of the population. Right. Uh, when I was in Canada, living in Canada, it was a big conversation. And the Canadian government uh, had a massive national study on homosexual orientation. And it was the most extensive national study that had ever been done. I think it was completed somewhere around the year 2000, so 23 years ago. And they found that in the Canadian population, 
I believe it was like 2.9% were homosexual. Like they would be, they would have said purely homosexual in attraction. Well, when you start looking at studies now, that number's gone way up. So like, is like, are we, here's what I believe. I believe that uh, we're rejecting God. I think that Satan and the demons are getting a foothold. I think that things are unraveling and uh, that society's starting to break down more and more. And it, it's a reflection of all of that going on. So it's a, it's a complex thing. At the end of the day, we want to honor God and obey God and be holy. And it is part of a sinful lifestyle. All right, the next question is, uh, if the Bible says homosexuality is wrong, why is it wrong? Because the Bible is the Word of God. <laughs> I'm saying, I, I, don't, I don't believe that it contains the Word. I believe it is the Word of God. Yeah. And being the Word of God, if it is wrong, it is wrong. I, I totally believe the same you do. You know, one of the things that I just want to say about what, it's wrong, and let me say positively, God wants his best for us. So uh, just let me take a second on this because I think it's really important. God's ways are the best. God's law, Psalm 119, teaches us it's life. Uh, it's a lamp unto our feet. It, it's the way God blesses us, his teachings and his law. Now, I want to read to you something from Sean McDowell uh, that says, if, if everybody followed what God said about sexuality... Uh, so Sean wrote this. Imagine a world where everybody followed what God says. There would be no sexually transmitted diseases, no abortions, no brokenness from divorce. Every child would have a father and a mother and experience the love and acceptance each parent uniquely offers. There would be no rape, no sex abuse, no sex trafficking, pornography, no need for a Me Too campaign. Think of the healing and wholeness if people simply live Jesus' life-giving words regarding human sexuality. He goes on, he says, that's just the beginning. Consider some specific examples. There would be no sexual exploitation, sex trafficking, or sex abuse. There would be no victims of pornography. There would be no sexually transmitted infections such as AIDS, chlamydia, herpes, uh, HPV, or syphilis. There would be no rape. There would be no unwanted pregnancies. There would be no crude, degrading sexual humor. There would be no debate about morality on abortion because there would be no need for abortion. There would be no pain from divorce, no deadbeat dads, no prostitution. There would be no men who leave their wives for younger women. Now, he's not talking about homosexuality there, but it's part of the package. And I just want to use Sean McDowell's quote for this. God's teaching on sexuality is the best thing for families and children and human society. What I just read to you, oh, that we could have a society like that. That would be a society that if God really loved us, he would, he would teach us what to do so that we would create that society. Uh, one of the things that happens with people who struggle with same-sex attraction is they have to realize that the sacrifices they make to honor God are a part of creating a culture where families are intact, 
where kids have moms and dads and people stay married. And part of the sacrifice they're making by choosing the single celibate lifestyle is for the betterment of, of the family, of the church, of the community, and ultimately of the world. Amen. Amen. So the goodness of God is ultimately, I think, what's going on there. All right. Uh, if homosexual behavior is wrong, how do we help people who wrestle with same-sex attraction? Mm, I, I like what you mentioned, and, and I would second this. I like what you mentioned about the couple who was married and all of this entanglement. The response that you had as a small group was... And really as our church. Our church would have helped. Them. The church, too. Oh, definitely. But I'm saying even the initial response is we will do what we can to help. Yeah. Basically, as disciple makers, you know, we're following Jesus, but we will walk alongside you as you're following Jesus. So that means, you know, being there for them in their emotional highs and lows during this, being there to model, be an example of healthy, being those healthy relationships, Yeah. Um, being that, counsel uh you know during those dark times that's the method of, of dealing with this i don't come at it from a method of hey i understand what it is because hey this is what god says and i get exactly because some of that stuff is is difficult yeah yeah and 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 as we respond sometimes to difficulty not as the expert that has all the answers but as the disciple following Christ, who does have all the answers. Yeah. Hey, I may not have all the things to say, but I can be there to help you out, man. Yeah, and, and just walking with them, like you said. Yeah. Like, I struggle with uh, food addiction, like uh, eating more than I should. And uh, literally, I work on it every day. And uh, it helps me when I spend time with other people who are trying to do the same thing and mm -hmm. who are encouraging. and and it's people who don't condemn me, who don't have that problem, but they care about me and they want to walk with me. Right. The next two questions are tied together. Uh, actually, we, we talked about how should we help people. Uh, what should a member of the church do if they're struggling with it? And uh, how can the church help? So um, we kind of talked about that, but can I... Can I tell you one thing that I learned? Because I spend a lot of time, uh, and I have people I just love so dearly who struggle with same-sex attraction, spend a lot of time really looking at how do we as a church really help people? And uh, Wesley Hill, uh, again in that book, Washed and Waiting, where he talks about living as a uh, faithful to Jesus, celibate man. Sam Albury is another one who wrote the book, Is God Anti-Gay? or Rosario Butterfield has a book on it. They all advocate the same thing as part of the solution, and that's this. If you want to help people live celibate lives faithful to God, you have to help them experience family that's real family in the church. Amen. It means involving them in your family life, uh, years ago, I had a friend when I was in Canada, same-sex attracted man, and we just tried to like make him a part of our family. We go on vacations. Does he come with us? Uh, you know, it's things, the little things in life, like 
family vacations, family dinners, having people that you're really family to them. Family discipleship. They're living, they're living that single celibate life in all faithfulness. All right, last, last couple of questions. Uh, what should we do when gay uh, married couples start coming to the church? And uh, uh, just, we kind of answered that. Do you want to add anything to that? No, no, I mean, you're, you're welcome to come, but when you're talking about uh, obeying the gospel, uh, we have to make it clear that, hey, this is what it means to follow Christ. If you say you're a Christian, there's certain standards, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Right. If you claim to be a Christian, and then the, then the body of Christ has to help you. And that leads to question number 10. How do we teach those in covenant community to handle all the pressure and live faithfully? And I think we've said it. It's uh, we hold each other to the same standard. And that is we're going to help each other. We're going to love each other. We're going to walk with each other as we trust, follow, and obey the teachings of Jesus. Amen. Well, last words on this are yours, Anthony. All right. Once again, uh, we appreciate you hanging out with us in this, uh, this discussion. Uh, it's been thorough. It's been rich. Uh, and it's our prayer that it has been uh, grace-filled and, and, and covered in love. Uh, but also very honest and, and truthful about what God feels. Continue to stick with us at Scripture in Black and White. We'll see you on the next time. Thank you for listening to Scripture in Black and White. Please comment, like, and subscribe. Coming up next, Help for Homosexuality, an interview with Guy Hammond.